his purpose, and now we're going to talk about his passion, and now we're going to talk about his pur- our purpose, okay? The work of Easter. So God became a man and died, but he rose from the grave, and that's not where the story's supposed to end, okay? Because I say this all the time, if when I accepted Christ, if that was why Jesus came, for just for me to accept Christ or you to accept Christ, he, we would just vanish and go to heaven immediately after we accept Christ, if there's no purpose for us to be here. And so that's not what is supposed to happen. We're supposed to meet Christ, he finds us, and then we're supposed to change, and we're supposed to bring others to Christ. And just like that video says, we're supposed to, we can't just, actions are great. Doing good things is great, but most people don't know why you do good stuff. Atheists do good stuff. Lots of people do good stuff. And I will always say, always, always, always say that we're not capable of really good stuff. Because the Bible says that. The Bible says that it's like a, our best actions are like a filthy rag. And that's the cleaned version. If you read it in the original language, which I'm not going to, it doesn't say it quite like that. Okay? That's our best actions. Because the problem with mankind, that's men and women, is that we do things to get a pat on the back. Or we do things to make us feel better. If, if I do this, it makes me feel better. Well, there's your reward, isn't it? Why are you doing the things you do? You've got to always think about why is the reason. Is it because you want to be patted on the back and says, oh, good job? Or do you want it because it's like, I always use this. You companies give money away all the time. Okay, big companies. And they, some reason, think that they need to write a nine foot by whatever check and say, here's your check. Can you imagine, if anybody ever does that to me, I'm going to walk in the bank with that check and put it on the counter and ask them to cash it for me. They don't cash that check. By the way, they get a little bitty check like this too that they can take to the bank. What they did is say that they, they gave away $20,000. What or my English family, 20,000 pounds, right? They're buying 20,000 whatever dollars, pounds worth of advertising. That's what they're doing. So they didn't give away anything, they brought something. Now, today we're going to be in Luke 15. And I changed the text at the last minute because. God spoke to me through Luke 15, okay? So we're going to start. I just want to tell you, Jesus, I want you to picture this. Jesus is talking to this crowd. And in this crowd, there's sinners and tax collectors. And it's appropriate because it's tax season. It's nearly deadline season. So if you haven't filed, you better get them done. Uh, Or file an extension, but we look at taxmen, like I just said, a taxman. That wasn't 
what tax men were in the Bible. Tax men were like the most evilest of evil. That's why it says sinners and tax collectors. Because tax collectors couldn't even be in the same bracket as sinners. Because tax collectors was like, it would be like me buying the rights to, a, to, to collect money from you that funds the army that oppresses you. That's not going to make my family love me anymore. It's going to make them kick me out of my family if I'm funding the army that's oppressing them. And that's what a tax collector did. They bought the rights, in this case, from the Roman government to collect taxes. And by the way, they only had to collect a certain amount. Anything above and beyond went in their pockets. That's why they got rich, collecting taxes. And then you've got the sinners, which is everybody else. This would be unclean people. This would be uh, prostitutes. This would be very questionable tradespeople. That was the rest of the people. But it says, and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were out in the back. And I'm telling you that because we're going to go jump. We're not going to do the first two parables. We're going to get right into the prodigal son. And I want to say some things that how we're supposed to act because of what Jesus has done for us. So, it begins. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me. Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger younger son gathered all he had, And took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a servant, a severe famine arose in the country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired hired himself out to one of the citizens of of that country. Who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, and I love this part because I do this, I self-talk. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and, I, and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He's practicing what he's going to say to his father. And by the way, the reason he's sinned is because this is culturally what he did was very wrong. He basically wished his dad to die. He said, Dad, I want you dead because I want my share of what's coming to me. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You see, there was a wayward son. 
in this story. A son that had ran away and tried to get pleasure in everything else. That is when we seek, we do the same thing when we seek to get our happiness from what the world can give us. Instead of going, well, if God created everything, okay, that big New York strip steak that you enjoy is actually a gift from God. Okay, but we don't look at it like that. The mountain ranges that you go look at and go how beautiful they are, they are gifts from God because he created everything. And we, we go, we just want the pleasure without think, thinking the creator. You see, what happens with mankind is that we worship the creation instead of the creator. And that's what the first son did. He wanted to find happiness. We find out later that he squandered his money on on some drugs, some alcohol, and some prostitutes. Because he thought sex, drugs, and rock and roll was going to make him happy. And he found out it didn't. He found out that he had lots of friends when he had money, but suddenly he had nothing and nobody. But this is where the story gets really interesting because the father in the story doesn't even give his son a chance, a chance to run to him and ask him. His son's coming into town and this means his father has to be standing on the front porch for a while with his binoculars, looking out, waiting for his son to come home. Because he knows if his son comes home and walks past, walk past the town, his son's getting stoned to death because of what he did. It was, it was, that's how serious what his son did in the culture was. That if the townspeople had found him, he would have been stoned to death. But his father did something. His father ran to him. And we go... Well, I would run to my son. But the problem is, they wouldn't have in that culture. I always tell you, you've got to get the context of the scripture. He would have wore a long skirt. And it was not acceptable for an adult male to pull up his skirt and show his legs. I don't know. I can't say I've never wore a dress. But... Because my sister's here. And she would call me a liar. But I've never worn a long dress. <laughs> she probably does in pictures, by the way. So, <laughs> so anyway... So you have to hike it up and run, okay? And it was culturally unacceptable. So the father does something to save his son. So his son doesn't get stoned to death. And he gets there. And I love this part because this is how I felt when I got saved. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, to his servants, his father wasn't even listening. 
He said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. That is the wayward son. Okay? But the problem with that is is, is the next son. Okay, now we have the wayward son, and the story goes on. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he was very annoyed, like the people in Footloose. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatty calf. Because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. We have a religious son. We have a religious son. But, the, but he was angry, so the father came out and entreated him. Another cultural no-no. The father would have never, ever, ever, ever left the party to come out to talk to his son. That was unacceptable behavior. It would have never happened. But this is... Not about a real father. This is about God, the father. So he came out and he tried to talk to his son. And this is how he answered his father. But he answered his father. Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost. And he is found. The older brother. Why was he serving? Just like all religious people serve. See, at this point in the story, when that turns from the younger son to the older son, this is what I picture. I'm picturing Jesus looking out at the crowd. And the, and the Pharisees would have been on the outer skirts of the crowd because they don't want to get too close because they don't want to get by sinners and tax collectors because that would make them unclean. But they wanted to see what Jesus was all about. He looks up, and I believe at this very point, he looks up and he looks at the Pharisees, at the religious people. And this part of the text is towards them. And he's saying, this is for you. 
You say you serve me. You say you do this. But you do it because you want something. You serve God and you go, if I do this, God will do this. If I pray this way, God will answer it this way. And then you get angry at God because he doesn't do what you want. See, here's the problem, and people who don't know God don't understand. The problem is, they want to understand God. Why would God allow that to happen? That's what we ask him. Why would he allow that to happen to me? Why would he let that happen to me? I was preaching at this church when I found out my mom had 72 hours to live. Between services, I called up and my sister Julie answered the phone. And she's the one who said she's got 72 hours. You don't have much time if you've got 72 hours to decide what you're going to do. So I spoke to my mom. She was not 100% coherent, but she did tell me she loved me. And she didn't need to, by the way. She didn't say it very often, but you knew she loved you. She, she definitely showed that she loved us. And I was preaching on the, the generosity of God. Never forget. Between services. And actually, I was really upset. I came in. David said, do you want me to preach? I said, no, God called me to preach. I'm going to preach. So I preached the second service. I got tickets. But I couldn't get there till the next day. Before I woke up, my mum passed away. My sister will tell you, I was really strong the whole six weeks I was there. I came home and fell apart. And I said to God, why couldn't you just keep her alive for a few more hours? And I got angry. I got angry and said, God, I do this for you. You can't do this little thing for me. It took me a long time. I said I'd never preach again. It took me a long time. It took me going through the book of Jonah and reading it and realizing that God owes me nothing. He didn't owe me his son on the cross, but he gave me him. And I know now that everybody that was supposed to be there that day was there. Because God has done everything in my life that way. He he has worked that way. And I serve God because God, because I can get anything out of it. You shouldn't serve God. That's what the religious son was doing. He was saying, Dad, you killed a fatted calf. But you didn't even give me a goat. That'd be like saying, God, you gave the neighbor a new speedboat, but you didn't give me a speedboat. You could put anything in there. That's why one of the the, the commandments is, do not envy your neighbor. Do not want, covet your neighbor's 
possessions. Because here's the thing is, God doesn't need to give you anything. God doesn't even need to give you good health. He doesn't need to give you anything. He didn't need to give you his son, but he did. You see, here's the thing. That's the end of the text. But there's another son. See, this, you know why I didn't read the other two stories? Because they have an ending. If you read Luke 15, there's three parables. Two of them have an ending. There's a guy. He's got a hundred sheep. One wonders. What does he do? He leaves the 99 and goes to find the one sheep. And he comes back and what do they do? They celebrate. You've got a crazy lady who lost some money and she decides she's going to clean the house and have a garage sale till she finds the money. And then she celebrates. But this story just ends. I actually know what happens in the story. We just celebrated it last week. Last Friday. The oldest son picked up a stick and beat his dad. And beat him to death. That's how the story ends. Because he didn't get what he wanted. That's what the religious people do. See, that's why people hate Christians, because they think we're religious. Christianity is not even a religion. Because all religion says, what can I do for you, God, to make you happy with me? Christianity says, Jesus, you've done everything for me. I don't owe him anything. See, he doesn't... I don't, he didn't owe me anything, but all I have to do is say, I believe, Jesus, that you died and rose from, the, from your grave. And actually believe it. And see, and then, so, so this story, what was the older brother supposed to do? Take, go after his brother. The other two stories... The other two stories, they looked for the money, they went after the sheep. Jesus didn't just tell two stories, he told three. He wanted the Pharisees to say, hey, dumb, you needed to be looking, coming after the sinners and the tax collectors. You needed to be telling them about God. But you didn't. You see, that's what the work of Easter is. That's why we don't get zapped up into heaven when we get become Christians. Because we're left here to tell other people about God. To tell other people about what Jesus has done for you. I think works are amazing to do stuff for people. But without them knowing why you're doing it, it's pointless. We're supposed to serve God. You see... We don't serve God because we have to. Because you can't earn salvation. Because Jesus said it was finished on the cross. Ever since I've worked through that pain in my life, I always have said, I get to. And I can't believe God would use somebody like me. 
I know who I am. And then to call somebody who's never been to college, who failed English, refused to public speak, to public speak. But we have to, be, we have to allow him. I get to do this. I don't have to do this. God gave me many, many talents. I can go do something else. But I get to do this. I get to preach God's word. I get to tell people about Jesus. That's how you should want to live your life. That you get to tell people about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only saviour. There is only one God. Jesus says, you see, this is the thing about religion. Jesus says, Jesus says there's one way. And he's the way. You either believe that or you believe something else. But if, if you really believe something, okay? And I don't know about you, but I think it's the greatest news ever. Okay, we're, we're all in the grandparent age, near enough, right? If you found out you was having a new grandbaby, how many people would you tell? Would you tell perfect strangers? Because I do. Because it's good news, isn't it? We have the best news in the world. It actually is called the good news. Why are we so afraid to share it in love? It's okay if we're rejected. By the way, this is what I tell people. Share Jesus. The rest is up to God. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. God saves people. I didn't find God, by the way. God found me. Because I was dead. And dead people can't do nothing. Remember that. I've, this, is my, this is the way I look about my salvation. That I was at the bottom of the ocean. Dead. Rodding. Rodding dead. Like Stinky dead. And then Jesus dived in and dove all the way down to the deepest depths, grabbed me and pulled me out, threw me on the beach and blew life into me. That's what he did to you when you accepted. Because dead people can't do anything. And according to the Bible, we were dead. So we can't do anything. God does everything. So don't be afraid to share the good news. You don't have to offend anybody to share the good news. But you need to say it. You need to speak it. And next week we'll continue. But we're going to go into Romans uh, 12. To get re- we're going to read Romans 12 this week to get ready for next week's sermon. Our purpose, the work of it, Easter, 
part two. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you that you are an amazing God who loves us. Even though we have fallen short, you're standing in the gap, ministering to us, God, and we thank you for that. I just pray that you give us the courage to share the love of Jesus, not because we have to, but because we get to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.